Hi, I'm Judy Frazier, president and founder of We The Kids. We The Kids puts God back into America's history. Listening to We The Kids radio show will inspire you and your kids to have a positive American identity, clear direction, and a powerful purpose for your life. Thank you for listening. Welcome to We The Kids Radio Show for kids from 8 to 108. I am Arch Hunter, a father, a husband, and an historian. And I'm Lydia Nuttall, a mom and executive board member for We The Kids and author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution. And in the show, we're going to hear from the We The Kids Liberty Players. The mission of We The Kids is to put God back into America's stories to help American kids be proud to be an American, to love and defend America's Constitution, and learn the principles of freedom that establish unprecedented freedom in our country so that they can preserve freedom in America. And that is so important. That's why we're doing this show. So we're glad you're listening. And today's Forgotten American Story is, what's the forgotten story behind freedom of religion in America? And so in past shows, we learned about the story behind the Pledge of Allegiance and what it means to say it and the republic for which it stands. And we looked at what is a republic. So Lydia, would you share with our listeners again the definition of a republic? What's a republic? Well, our United States Constitution in Article 4, Section 4, says that it guarantees to every state in the union a republican form of government. Now, that's not to be confused with the Republican Party, Democrat Party, that kind of thing. There's actually a republican form of government. There's two key elements that comprise a republic. Democracy, which is we the people, plus representation, meaning we the people elect others to represent us in local, state, and federal government. So in essence, our republic, another way of saying it is we're representative democracy. So it's not just we the people pick and choose, because that could easily go into mob rule, that if you're the majority, then you can trump the rights of my people in the minority. And so that's why we want a republic, because we need representation. Representatives that we elect can represent us, even if we are a minority in any shape, way, or form. For instance, uh, a minority when it comes to a different religious viewpoint or a minority minority when it comes to how much money you make or different interests. So then that brings in why the Constitution is so important. The Constitution keeps our representatives' power in check because we all know that if you elect someone or if someone is in power, there's a human nature tendency in all of us 
to want more power. Often that's at the expense of we the people. So we wanted a United States Constitution that outlined how much power our representatives have. And they can't take more because we didn't want tyranny. So in essence, we are a constitutional representative democracy, meaning we the people elect representatives to represent us in government on our behalf, whose power is kept in check by a written constitution. So there you go. So we have that on the local level, the state level, and the federal government level. Yep, we do. And also, we call that in our federal government, the system of checks and balances, where our three branches of government does not have more power than the other branch, because our founders understood what human beings would do with complete power, complete control. It was very wise in our founding fathers setting up a democratic, republican form of government. Yeah, because we had just been through a monarchy and we saw how in a monarchy, a king has absolute power in the executive role, in the legislative role, and in the judicial role. And that's way too much power for for anybody to have. Was America the first country to establish a republic? Well, from what I understand, no, because the Netherlands or Holland is what we call it, too. They had a republic because in the the beginning stories of the founding of America, the people in England back in the 1600s who didn't have religious liberty back then in England, we call them the separatists and we also call them the Puritans. They were two different groups of people. They had to flee England to go somewhere so that they could be able to worship God in the way that they felt was right, according to their conscience and according to the Bible, their study of the Bible. So they had heard that Holland or the Netherlands had religious liberty, and that's what they wanted. And so before they came to America, often, in fact, this is what I thought I was taught in school, is they just left on the Mayflower straight from England after persecution. But there's a middle story to that. No, they actually left for Holland first and tried to establish themselves there and enjoy the religious liberty there before they came to America. And Lydia, the reason they left Holland, which the term I find a little bit humorous, is the Puritans were afraid that their children were becoming Dutchified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is interesting. So, which is funny, but but you know, isn't that true freedom that I think God wants for all of us? Is however we want to worship Him, He allows that, and it is interesting. Maybe we'll cover that in a in a future show, but. Yeah, the separatists were really worried about their children being too assimilated into Dutch culture, which was taking them farther away from their religious moorings or upbringing, if you will. And they didn't want to lose that. They were very well read in the Bible. And that's why they wanted to separate from the Church of England, because the Church of England was the church, the only church, the only way that the king at the time and also later that the queen would allow you to worship. It had to be their way or the highway. And the separatists who were reading the Bible at the time, for instance, they believed that only Jesus Christ could be the head of the church. 
And that belief frustrated Queen Elizabeth at the time because she claimed the title head of the Church of England. And King James I believed in the divine right of kings. So if you were a king or a queen, then by that right, God put you there to be king or queen to be the head of the church. And so that's why they persecuted heavily anyone in England who believed anything different. People use these terms interchangeably, but you were just talking about that, that they're really different groups. So would you explain the difference between the separatist and the Puritan and the pilgrim? Yeah, I will, because I I had to figure that out myself. I was getting really confused with those three terms because we talk about the pilgrims coming to America. So the separatists believed that the Church of England could not be reformed or changed uh, or the corruption taken care of within the church. They just thought it was too far gone. It was too far off what the Bible taught that you couldn't change it. So they wanted to be completely separate from the Church of England. And the Puritans, on the other hand, believed that the Church of England just needed purifying from within. They believed the church could be reformed. And so now you have these two groups of people within the Church of England. They're not agreeing with the Church of England in different aspects. So the separatists were the ones that, by law, the Church of England said, you're in trouble. You're going outside the bounds of the law. So that's why they persecuted the separatists. Now, for a pilgrim, the definition of a pilgrim is anyone that makes a pilgrimage from one place to another. I guess we can call it that unless you have a different definition. So in that case, both the separatists, separatists came to America first. They established a colony called Plymouth Plantation, and that's in Massachusetts in the harbor there. And the second group that came 10 years later, separatists came about 1620, Puritans left England in 1630, 10 years later, and they landed more in the Boston, right? Boston area or north of that. So that's where the Puritans settled. So we can call both groups pilgrims because they came from one point and made the pilgrimage to another point. So there you go. There are those definitions. And so also, who was the leader of the separatists? Well, that would be William Bradford. And he's got an interesting story. He was an orphan back in England. We have to go back to England before the separatist movement started. He was born in England. Both his parents died. He was really sick. And a minister or pastor who lived somewhere in the vicinity named William Brewster took him under his wing and kind of became a father to him and gave him a Bible. His first Bible was the Geneva Bible. And back then, you have to imagine receiving a book was like gold Mm -hmm. because books were rare. They were expensive and not everyone had books. And so for him to receive his own personal copy of the Bible was like gold to William Bradford. And so he read the Bible and began studying it with the pastor Brewster and became really informed on the teachings of Christ within the Bible and made a choice in his life that he wanted to break away from the Church of England. He saw a lot of discrepancies between the Church of England teachings and what the Bible taught. And so amazingly enough, when he announced to his friends that he was going to leave the state-sponsored church, 
in which he had been baptized and then joined the separatists, they were just mortified because they thought for sure it's going to come to a bad end because already men had been hanged for holding on to such heretical ideas. But it's amazing how I love what he replied. In fact, I do have William Bradford's, and this is an amazing story for some time, but the first published He wrote a journal of the proceedings of the separatists across the Atlantic on the Mayflower and how they established a colony and republic form of government, republican form of government here in America. And it's called Of Plymouth Plantation. And his journal was actually lost during the Revolutionary War. It was found later on back in England in some remote church. When it was found, the people said, you know what, this really belongs to the American people. So they sent it by dignitary. A dignitary came to give it officially to the Massachusetts Historical Society in the late 1800s. And I have a copy of the first printing of that. It's 1899. So it's really, really old. But this is what I found in it, in his writings. He said, you know, when he told his friends, hey, I'm going to join the separatists. And they kept warning him, don't do that. You're going to be killed. You know, he said to keep a good conscience and walk in such ways as God had prescribed in his work is the thing which I must prefer before you all and above life itself. Wherefore, since it is for a good cause that I'm likely to suffer the disasters which you lay before me, you have no cause to be either angry with me or sorry for me. Yea, I am not only willing to part with everything that is dear to me in this world for this cause, but I am thankful that God hath given me heart to do so and will accept me so to suffer for him. Ooh, I love that. He was willing to put everything on the line to be true to what he felt the Bible was teaching him that he needed to do and to believe in, even if it meant going against the grain of the national proclaimed church at the time and being persecuted and hounded and bullied, incarcerated, and possibly even lose his life through hanging. And that is what all the separatists were willing to do. So that's what's amazing about that story is, you know, when we think of the separatists, we think of the grown-ups. But the grownups had children, and this affected families. This lack of religious freedom in England back in the 1600s affected families. And we need to remember that as Americans, if we lose our religious liberties here in America, it will affect our children in negative ways. And it did the children of the separatists. I mean, can you imagine being a child and seeing your father arrested in front of your eyes and then your mother weeping because finding out that he was just hanged just because he chose to believe differently than the king? Whoa. So the separatists, the Puritans, and even the pilgrims sacrifice a tremendous amount of their lifestyle in Europe to come to the new world, to come to the American continent and share with the listeners, what were some of the hardships that they went through to have their freedom of religion here in America? Well, I'll read it right from of Plymouth Plantation, the journal of William Bradford. He says, ever since the first breaking out of the light of the gospel in our honorable nation of England, what wars and oppositions ever since Satan hath raised maintained and continued against the saints, sometimes by bloody death and cruel torments, otherwise imprisonments, 
banishments and other hard usages as being loath that his kingdom should go down, the truth prevail, and the churches of God revert to their ancient purity and recover their primitive order, liberty, and beauty. So that's just in his own words. And then I found it in another book later on, a kind of a recap of everything that the separatists endured. And it says, the separatists were hounded bullied, forced to pay assessments to the Church of England. That would be like me having to pay a different church that our president believed in that we should all believe in and having to pay them my money to support their beliefs when I don't believe in it. Whoa, that would be hard. They were clapped into prison on trumped up charges and driven underground. They met in private homes to which they came at staggered intervals and by different routes because they were constantly being spied upon. In the little town of Scrooby, which was in England, persecution finally reached the point where the congregation to which William Bradford belonged elected to follow those other separatists who had already sought religious asylum in Holland, where they were near penniless foreign immigrants who qualified for only the most menial labor and had to work terribly hard just to subsist. Mm. So they left everything behind in England to get out of this horrible... I mean, can you imagine being spied upon? Yeah. We are so blessed in America um, that we don't have that. But maybe we kind of have more of that than what we (laughs) would like to think we do. Uh, So we have to be careful there because freedom... It's like, oh, the Bible talks about a flaxen cord around our necks, you know, um, just a little thread around our neck, we can break and maybe two or three threads we can break. But the more threads we get around our neck, it starts to form a yarn and then more yarn forms a cord. And pretty soon, you know, the more of these freedoms that we let go and, and don't say anything about or don't even realize, next thing you know, boom, we... I don't want to be like that, where all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, what happened to all my freedom? How come I've got police at my door telling me I have to stay in my house? What ha- or, or saying, hey, we need to kick you out of your house because we need a place to stay, you know, to keep law and order in your community. You know, I mean, that happened even in America, in early American history. And Lydia, you mentioned at the beginning of the program about we are governed by a constitution. What document governed the separatists and Puritans when they came to the New World? Well, for the separatists, it was the Mayflower Compact. And that is an amazing document because it's the first time that, first time in recorded history anyway, in North America, that free men, see, they were free on the Mayflower. They were free. They're they're now under no one's jurisdiction, no one's government. They sailed all the way across the Atlantic to go to this untamed wilderness on the North American continent. And they actually landed north of the jurisdiction of the Virginia Company. And that was kind of providential. They hit a horrible storm that blew them way off course. And they landed on the American continent far, far more, way more. Well, think about it. Massachusetts is a whole lot more north than Virginia. Right. <laughs> so they really were blown off course. And so now they are under no government. And here's the danger of having no government. No government is also called anarchy. When you have anarchy or no one ruling, it's a mess. It becomes kind of mob rule or whoever has the most guns or whatever. They didn't want that. 
So they knew before they disembarked the Mayflower that they had to formulate some kind of governmental organization or a contract or a compact, the Mayflower Compact, that they would all agree to before they left the ship to establish law and order. We have to have laws in order to establish order. And the laws have to be just and fair in order to have people want to comply with them. So that's why it's important to understand the Mayflower Compact, because it's the first recorded document that embodies the principles of representative government or a republic. So that's what's really cool about the Mayflower Compact. And believe it or not, when I went through all of my history textbooks that teach American history in my entire school district, except for one textbook, all the other textbooks had the Mayflower Compact in the back of the book in the reference section. So who out there who's listening reads the reference sections of textbooks, you know, so we're missing teaching these important principles to our youth. And I understand why it's because public ed, well, education in general, that's funded by government has taken everything out that has anything religious in it. To me, that's what I've noticed. And the Mayflower Compact mentions God, says, for the glory of God, for the advancement of the Christian faith, and by the grace of God, in the presence of God. I mean, it talks a lot about we're doing this in the presence of God, mutually, solemnly. Um, we're covenanting to form ourselves into a civil body politic to make sure everything's organized and to preserve our freedoms and order. That's what makes the Mayflower Compact to me special. And I didn't realize it till I read it. Yeah. How many times it mentions God. That's what they were coming for. I know there's stories out there that say, hey, they came for a different reason, but they really came because they wanted to have liberty, freedom of religion, and to advance the Christian faith. So, Lydia, let me share with our listeners, in closing, a quote from George Mason, who was a delegate at the Constitutional Convention. George Mason said, Religion, or the duty which we owe to our Creator, and the manner of discharging it, can be directed only by reason and conviction— not by force or violence, and therefore all men are equally entitled in the free exercise of religion according to the dictates of conscience. Woohoo! That is awesome. That is it. George Mason, just a phenomenal, phenomenal person in one of our founding fathers. So we'd like to invite everyone from 8 to 108. Please join us again for We the Kids radio show and hear more Forgotten American stories. Let's learn the principles of freedom so that we can all preserve our freedom. And something to think about this week. What are all the things that you are able to believe and do in America? Because freedom of religion is protected by the First Amendment to the Constitution. And we invite you to check out the We the Kids website. It's wethekids.us and discover additional stories, insights, and activities you can do with your kids to help them be proud to be American and to love and defend America's Constitution. And you can purchase your own copy of Forgotten American Stories Celebrating America's Constitution on that website or on ForgottenAmericanStories.com. We want to thank you for supporting We the Kids. And now we get to see what the Liberty Kid players are up to. Hi, I'm Brendan. I'm a We the Kids reporter. Listen in as Daniel tells you an unknown story about William Bradford and his voyage to America. This is the story of the pilgrims that you don't often hear. 
1606, a small congregation of Christian believers that based their faith on the Bible were forced to meet in secret in a rural area of what is now the northern part of present-day Nottinghamshire in England. They endured great risk to worship according to the Bible, which they have believed was the inerrant word of God. They believed that the only way to have truth and the freedom to worship was to leave the Church of England, whose head was the monarchy, rather than Jesus Christ. Those who left the Church of England were known as separatists by their enemies. In an abuse of power violating religious liberty that existed for over 500 years in England, dating back to King Henry I's 1100 Charter of Liberties, these brave people found themselves at odds with a king who failed to honor this fundamental stated right of the citizens of England. After the death of Queen Elizabeth I in 1603, many reformers had hoped her successor, King James I, would allow congregations of the Church of England the freedom to follow scripture. As the fallen nature of man would have it, this was not the case. In fact, the suppression of religious liberty worsened. King James understood that the pulpit was an invaluable tool that the monarchy could use to control the lives and behavior of his subjects. He was relentless in hunting down separatists. He even told reform-minded ministers that he would harry them out of the land if they refused to comply with the dictates of the monarchy. William Bradford, who would later become the governor of the Plymouth Colony, wrote in his journal that he and his fellow separatists had been hunted and persecuted on every side, so that their former afflictions were but as flea-bitings in comparison to these which now came upon them. For some were taken and clapped up in prison, others had their houses beset and watched night and day, and hardly escaped with their hands. By 1607, they realized that they would not be able to stay in England, and resolved to go to Holland where they had heard that there was religious freedom for all men. Without legal permission to leave England, they were subject to several unscrupulous ship's masters that ended some of them up in prison and left women and children and belongings behind. Through hardship and deceit, eventually most of the congregation made it to Amsterdam by 1608. Because of the religious depression sweeping across Europe, pushing many religious refugees to the Dutch Republic, there was rapid population growth and shortage of adequate housing. The separatist congregation had little experience with trades. They were farmers in England. Most found work in the textile industry, but the population growth in Amsterdam was fueling contention among the population. Although they did find religious liberty and relative peace in the city of Leiden in 1609, they were not well accustomed to city life. Despite Holland's toleration, the pilgrims were still considered English subjects. Religious flyers critical of the Church of England were traced to William Brewster's printing press, and Dutch and English authorities searched for Brewster, confiscating his press, paper, and type. But he avoided arrest by secretly returning to England. Brewster would later accompany Bradford and the others on the Mayflower. The pilgrims agreed, after much debate, that the congregation should move to North America. They sought to be free in their church and spread their religious views. They hoped to preserve their English heritage and gain economic security. It was decided that the youngest and strongest should go first. 
They negotiated for passage with the Virginia Company and English investors for a colonial patent, that is, permission to leave England for America. They were able to secure the patent, their investors were able to purchase a ship called the Speedwell and hired a second ship, the Mayflower, to make the transatlantic journey. The Speedwell leaked so badly that they had to return to England. The Mayflower would make the journey alone. In 1620, Bradford recalls, they left that goodly and pleasant city which had been their resting place near 12 years, but they knew they were pilgrims and looked not much on these things, but lift up their eyes to the heavens, their dearest country, and quieted their spirits. When Mayflower's crew finally sighted land off Cape Cod in November 1620, most of the congregation was still in Leiden. Some of them would arrive on a succession of subsequent ships that sailed for New Plymouth throughout the 1620s. These events of courage and faith would lead to the legacy of liberty that would eventually become a beacon of hope to the world. Today, we take for granted the religious liberty that others risk their lives for in many other parts of the world. Thanks for listening today. To help us preserve our republic, please visit wethekids.us and make a donation. The future of our nation depends on an informed electorate. We need to bring the truth of history to the next generations of Americans. These stories of liberty and oppression must not be lost. In the words of Edmund Burke, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. This is Daniel Pack for We the Kids. See you next time. We want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to listen and please join us on We The Kids radio show and to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in America so that we can all, whether we're eight or 108, preserve our freedom. Thank you.